0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As we're already doing today, your host Jeff Floyd. We'll get some Browns nuggets here. Uh, we got a nice 15-20 uh, minute conversation with Lou DiBiasi, host of Locked On Eagles. Talk a little bit about, you know, Andrew Berry, talk a little bit about Jannard Avery as the Eagles and the Browns will kick off in 2020 after 2016, the opening week matchup between two franchises. Oddly enough where Robert Griffin III was the quarterback. Today's episode of Locked On Browns is brought to you by Built Bar. Goes well with the morning coffee, guys. I highly recommend that to get your day started with a bang, so to speak. Uh, remember to get the promo. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at builtbar.com. Lots of flavors, nuts, no nuts, whatever you're looking for. BuiltBar.com has got you taken care of. Use the promo code. Locked on. Still a lot of rumblings, and I guess they probably won't end until Jadabian and Clowney finally does sign with the team. Uh, it's it's an interesting scenario. The Browns, without question, have the cap space. Uh, they could absorb the money for one year and then the money would essentially just offset what Olivier Vernon would come off the cap for for the 2021 season it's intriguing Um, Clowney is an incredible athlete moves very well he's not exactly the sack master, so to speak, that you would get from a Miles Garrett. Uh, does make a ton of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you can move him around. He can line up over the center. He can line up over a guard. Things that Miles Garrett can do as well. Brings a great, great amount of versatility with his game. Uh, it's hard to say yes. It's hard to say no whether or not I think the money would be the question whether or not you can make that all work. But without a doubt, you know, Jadavian Clowney is one of the better active pass rushers uh sometimes, you know, a buddy of mine, Justice Makeda, used to use the phrase I'm sorry, Josh Norris um, his production, disruption is production and that's kind of what you get with Jadeveon Clowney gets quarterback off his spot, even though the sometimes overall sack numbers don't show valued asset for his years down in Houston uh, where he was the solo man so to speak in Seattle last year Uh, again, the numbers were down um, but he is great at causing a quarterback to leave his mark and having other guys to clean it up here. I think the defensive line in Cleveland would be better suited to assist someone and what they bring to the table with a player like Jadavian Clowney. Lots of discussion about the schedule. Look, as we know all the opponents for the 2016 schedule, as we've gotten to talk about this a little bit here, we've stressed I think it'd be better if some of the, what for now look like the easier opponents on the schedule, come earlier in the year. We don't know how much training camp we're going to get, if it's going to be abbreviated, if it starts on time. It's going to be hard to monitor all that, and with a new system, with a first-time head coach, uh, with obviously a bunch of new faces in, you know, Cleveland as it is now, you're gonna, it's gonna need some time to gel. You got two brand new tackles. You're gonna bring in several new starters on that defense. You're gonna want time. You're gonna want practice reps. You're gonna want film room. You're gonna want whiteboard time for all of these players to get acclimated to the system, get acclimated to playing with each other, so you can get the best possible production and value uh, rolling into the 2020 season. A lot of talks about whether or not there would be a trip to Thanksgiving for Dallas on Thanksgiving. I can't lie. Uh, it'd be fun. It'd be interesting. Um, certainly, you know, getting to put the turkey and the desserts to bed and then sit down and record a postgame show would be just be a fun, fun day. Make for a really interesting Thanksgiving. So if that does come to pass, Certainly looking forward to the opportunity. Um, if anybody hasn't checked it out, um, the Odell Beckham Jr. video that resurfaced, uh, came out the other day on YouTube. Odell looks fit, looks thick, looks built, looks stronger. Vowing for a very, very strong 2020 season. Uh, I, I do believe him. I, I think last year hurt. I, I know Odell is probably one of the most prideful. NFL players there is in the league. So him, for last season, to play at not 100% and have the numbers still over 1,000 yards, four TDs, I know he's not happy about the touchdowns. I know he's not happy about the overall numbers. Odell feels he's a 10-time better player than those numbers reflect and it seems so far with you know how he's handling this off season the recovery from hernia surgery that he is no doubt 100% ready to go for 2020 licking his chops so to speak to get with Baker to get with Kevin Stefanski and play in a system where these guys are gonna have more faith in it more belief in it that other than the first 10 to 12 scripted plays per week We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to get to interview Lou DiBiase from Locked On Eagles. More rolling along here on your Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns. By far the best tasting bar. Hard to explain unless you've had one. You had the experience of it. Real chocolate. Amazing flavors. Um, The first one I ate almost kind of tastes like a candy bar. Um, If you're not into nuts, you're allergic to nuts. They do make plenty of bars without nuts. There's no gritty, no aftertaste. It's just good. And again, kind of tastes almost kind of like a candy bar amazing combination of low calorie high protein and low sugar no crazy additives if you compare it to the most popular men's bar it is half the calories seven times fewer carbs seven times fewer sugar grams and more protein how can it be that good for you and taste that good that's the secret the Built Bar is banking on. And trust me, it's certainly, certainly worth it from a taste standpoint. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and get $10 off your first box at www.builtbar.com. Welcome
1: back in, everybody, to another crossover edition of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am Louis DiBiase, the host of Lockdown Eagles, alongside Jeff Lloyd, the host of Lockdown Browns. Jeff, what's going on, man? I've talked to you all the time on Twitter and the Eagles and Browns, like although they're in the AFC North and NFC East, there's a lot of links and ties to this team, these two teams over the past four years. And, uh, you know, they haven't played since 2016 and we so haven't really had the opportunity to talk over the podcast, but I'm excited to do this with you.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of been like the interesting part of this week. Um, you know, with the NFC teams, it's it's a, obviously a lot much bigger gap yeah. from when we get to sit down and kind of break bread with each other. Um, you know, it, within you know conference here, you know, you get it sprinkled in a little bit. Um, but you know, I know you're doing a fantastic job here. You know, uh, you, you've had some big shoes to fill, so to speak, <laughs> since you took over. Um, but you know, for you, you know, it, and for me, I get a little jealous. You get to talk some January football, Lou. We yeah. haven't gotten there yet.
1: No, and I and I'm I'm rooting for you guys. I really am. And as somebody that grew up in Buffalo, New York, and also cover the Buffalo Bills, like I, I really relate to the Cleveland Browns, and I like the city there. So, I, I actually went to the championship parade for the Cavaliers, and I saw what that was like with that fan base. So, you can tell the passion's there
0: even more with the Browns, So, I'm rooting for that su- su- uh, success for you guys. Um. Well, it's 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 been a blast, and, and as much as you know, I, I enjoy covering this, and you want to see success, and I mm-hmm. think. The city needs it. I mean they love this franchise. They love this Browns team. They've seen the you know the Indians get a taste. Obviously LeBron and the Cavaliers have brought them you know a, a ton of exposure over the years before essentially he ripped their heart out for a second time. <laughs> yeah. This team, this team is what the city of Cleveland wants. They want to see this team be successful. And I, I think they're finally, but from top to bottom, I think they have a recipe in place question is going to be are they going to burn it overcook it undercook it we'll see how it plays out
1: well in these two teams the Eagles and Browns are kind of linked to each other with how with the paths they've taken over the last four years because obviously in 2016 the Cleveland Browns they had the opportunity to draft Carson Wentz with that second overall draft pick. they moved down the Philadelphia Eagles move up into that spot and really the rest is history since then the Browns took a quarterback of their own first overall just a couple years later in Baker Mayfield so You know, Jeff, these two teams are linked, and of course you guys have one of uh, our former number twos in the front office, and Andrew Barry now running the front office uh, with Andrew Barry, who was Howie Roseman's number two after Joe Douglas left uh, for the Jets, so these two teams, like they are linked, and it's kind of cool too, after that trade in 2016, they play each other week one that year, Wentz's first game, and I just go back and how different the teams look now, I mean, RG3 was your guys' quarterback back then.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about it. And you know, there's so many fans that want to say, oh, well, you didn't take Wentz. Yeah. You didn't take Mahomes. You didn't take Deshaun Watson. Look, it doesn't matter if it was Joe freaking Montana, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. It wasn't going to work with what they had and the way it was structured. Right. The problem is it's never been uniformed from top to bottom. And that's what we've gotten from this last three months. And uh, we talk about it and. You close your eyes, and whether it's Paul DePodesta speaking, whether it's Andrew Berry speaking, whether it's Kevin Stefanski speaking, it's all the same verbiage. Everybody is on the same page. This is what we want to do. You hear things about, he was a skiing fit. This is why we really like this guy. Or we need everybody to be accountable. It's about the 53. It's not about just one. We're not hearing cliche, you know, clickbait phrases like, you know, It doesn't matter. You know, if you don't wear orange and brown, it doesn't matter. Or they're not real football players. None of that is the case now. You know, and obviously John Dorsey tried to run certain players out of town. Mm -hmm. Prime example, David Njoku wasn't a fan. This new regime comes in. Now, David Njoku, after a rough 2019 season where he spent most of the year injured, everybody was like, well, where's David Njoku at? Mm-hmm. What did this franchise do? They drafted a tight end in the draft. They signed one in free agency. And then two days later, what did they do? They picked up the fifth-year option on David Njoku. So, like, you just see that this franchise is about, look, it doesn't matter who you are, how you got here. If we think you're going to be the recipe that's going to lead this team to Ws, you're in. You're a part of it. And that's been the part that I think we've all enjoyed seeing this far is they don't care about the past. It's all about the future with this team.
1: Yeah, that's that's huge, especially for an organization that's seen so much, you know, movement and instability, really just from top to bottom. I do wonder, Jeff, going back, you know, down memory lane. Of course, yeah, again, the regimes very different. They did not work out. What do you think would have happened if they took Carson Wentz? I I mean, obviously, he probably wouldn't have had the same success Instantly that he had in Philadelphia. I mean, he almost he would have won MVP in 2017 if he didn't get hurt. How do you think that would have shaped up in Cleveland? I think Wentz is good enough where he can elevate. I mean, we saw last year he can elevate really anything around him, but I do wonder what would have happened if they sat tight at number two and they took Carson Wentz. For
0: me, I, I don't know how it would have worked. I mean, because even still Hugh Jackson is still playing these games. Sure. He yeah. spoke yesterday. He spoke yesterday about Baker Mayfield. Well, some of us in the building, you know, some people in the building thought he was the third best quarterback on our team. Well, you drafted him one overall. So what are you saying? And this was a, a, the year before where they went through preseason, Deshaun Kaiser hit a couple of big throws in like the third quarter of a week three preseason game against the Washington Redskins. And Hugh was like, that's my guy. (laughs) Meanwhile, everybody else in the building was like, Hugh, no, this kid is not ready. What are we doing? And so I, I, I don't, Maybe it's because, maybe it's I'm older, maybe it's the father in me, where I think any of it, and look, a lot of these guys were kids where Baker was more of a grown man, and Baker came in and did things early, and still look what happened. They still ran Hugh out of town, because of what it was, it was like, we just want to get him away from Hugh Jackson. And I just don't know how it would have worked. And the other thing is, there were no pieces in place. Who would sure Carson, yeah. Carson Wentz have thrown to? Who would have... Patrick Mahomes thrown to. I mean, you see the electricity, him in the pocket, and these and you know throws all over the field. Well, who's he throwing to? Um, you know, Josh Gordon? No, he was never there. Um, you know, Ricardo Lewis, who you know, went through like everything they did. It just never turned out right. Yeah. So it would have been great that Carson you know, Carson Wentz is the greatest quarterback ever, but the team is going to go three and thirteen every year because he's got nobody to make the music with, so to speak.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, with Wentz in 2016, it started off rocky with his weapons. I mean, he had Josh Huff, Doriel Green Beckham, a really bad second year Nelson Aguilar. But I guess he did, uh, you know, he see the benefit of a really well kept organization build around him very quickly. You real quick before we move on from this topic, you kind of just mentioned how there was disagreements between the front office and Hugh Jackson when you talk about a guy like Deshaun Kaiser. I remember going back to 2016, there was that report, or maybe it was more so of a rumor that the Browns didn't envision. Carson Wentz ever becoming a top 20 quarterback. Do you think maybe that was just like, maybe it was just Hugh Jackson? And was, do you think maybe anybody in that organization believed that Wentz was the guy?
0: I think part of it was also where Carson Wentz was coming from. And Mm -hmm. look, it was really, really tough. And, you know, I don't think anybody truly understood, you know, the program that North Dakota State was at the time maybe now we're starting to establish it now with the wins post career and obviously you know the new draft darling for 2021 another quarterback at yeah, North State yeah. I think it, a lot of it was was you know the kid going from this situation and I think part of it was is you know he was going from the small FCS program to now where it was going to be the savior of the Cleveland Browns it's different to do it with other teams where there's been a recipe of su- a success. And look, we get to January anyway. It's okay. The kid's going to work out here. <laughs> he What would have been put on Carson Wentz to come here and be quarterback of the Cleveland Browns? I mean, if, if he would have made it work, I mean, the kid would have been it would have been great tenfold. It would have been great a hundredfold because it would have just taken that much to overcome it. Not only the jump in competition, but the fact he was cha- basically dragging a team that's been a laughing stock, a doormat, for so many years Mm -hmm. and he would have had to put it all on his back to do it and look no no question about Carson Wentz and the guy he's become in Philadelphia right you just love the kid you love the personality but if Carson Wentz two years in Cleveland and you would to see him I don't think we'd see the smile I don't think we'd see the (laughs) exuberance yeah and you know the fact that he does get dinged up from time to time heck the kid could be a long gone memory by this point
1: It's super interesting to think about that, what ifs. Obviously, the Browns did not take that route. They traded back. The Eagles take Carson Wentz, and the the Browns go with their first overall pick, Baker Mayfield, a couple years later. Jeff, he had such a hot start, you know, his rookie year. And then in Season 2, very up and down, what happened there? I mean, you bring in Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt, you have Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, like you talk about, uh, a new coaching staff, well, a new head coach with Freddie Kitchens. I thought at least the Browns had a lot of 2011 Eagles in them last year when it came to offseason hype. I don't know if you remember the the dream team Eagles in 2011 all started by Vince Young. The Browns had a lot of that going for them. I honestly was expecting a lot, and specifically with Baker Mayfield, just from the team in general, what happened last season, and then with Mayfield more specifically.
0: I think the problem was is, look, the ingredients were in place, but this is kind of what we touched on a little bit earlier. It's what you do with it. I mean, it's great to have a kitchen full of dishes, a kitchen full of, right. you know, top shelf produce, food. But and, and this is where we all – and look, me and a lot of people who covered this team, we kind of said, you know what, after 2018 and the way it worked out, let's get Freddie a shot here. And I think part of it was is we didn't want to go name searching. You know what, sure. if you didn't want to be a part of the Cleveland Browns up until this point, No, you're not just going to jump in now where the the picture looks kind of pretty and all of a sudden, you you know, oh, wow, they're a lot more appealing now. No, screw you. You've never been a part of this. You know, you would have laughed at this job a year and a half ago. We all felt the same way. We didn't realize that, you know, Greg Williams was essentially keeping everything in line and Freddie was just doing his thing as an offensive coordinator. Once the keys were given to Freddie, and look, and this, and, and part of it was, it was a little bit of a puppet regime. Um, John Dorsey was, you know, he loves having Freddie Kitchens as the head coach because it allowed him to do things that most general managers don't get to do. Most right. general managers don't tell their left tackle, "Oh, you're not starting this week. We're going to make a change." This is something that actually happened. It wasn't the coaching huh. staff. Even if it came from the coaching staff, John Dorsey sat down with Greg Robinson against the New England Patriots of all Jeez. teams. And said, "We're going to play Justin McCray. We want to see what he's got at left tackle. Really against the Patriots? This is wow. the week we're going to make a change at that position and the controlling of the fifty-three. Rashard Higgins, similar to David Njoku, David, you know, Rashard Higgins was a huge part of Baker Mayfield's success in twenty eighteen. He caught between they caught ninety-seven passes. David Njoku and Rashard Higgins in twenty eighteen. In twenty nineteen, they combined for nine receptions." Were two, these guys were two of Baker's go-to guys. Mm-hmm. Rashard Higgins kind of got banished away. David Njoku was injured for most of the time. When he came back, he had some flu catch where he fell on the ground. A guy from the Bengals ripped the ball out of him. They called it an interception. And the next thing you know, we never saw David Njoku again. He wasn't even dressing, for God's sakes. A former first-round pick, an athletic freak of nature. No, nah, they felt that they were better off with an undrafted free agent out of Princeton mm-hmm. and a tight end that they had found on Labor Day weekend. On waiver wires. So, just the way they manufactured it, the way they handled it, it was just a disgrace. Odell was injured. Jarvis was injured. Baker, and I think part of the thing was as much hype that was involved, I think once this team took a couple of punches to the mouth, they just didn't know how to come back from it. Part of it was the coaching staff, and part of it probably was on every player look, you got to fight for yourself. If you want to go that route, you've got to stand up for yourself. This is your name. This is your legacy in the league. And I think they all kind of had a problem with it. And it certainly didn't help when they win a big Thursday night game in week 10 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kind of get the record looking a little bit better. But you lose Miles Garrett. Olivier Vernon's gone. They lost their two starting cornerbacks for a month. They had eight safeties on this roster. And then once they got down to the last couple of weeks in the season, they were playing safety seven and Mm -hmm. safety number eight. That was it. Everybody was was gone. Everybody was injured. The defense didn't have enough in them to fight anymore, and the offense didn't have enough cohesion to it to succeed. It's super interesting to
1: see what the Browns are going to do here in year three under Baker Mayfield with a new head coach. Still a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, One guy actually I wanted to ask you, Jeff, before we wrap this up, that the Eagles got – He was a former Cleveland Brown. And right now, I feel like the fan base, the Eagles traded with Cleveland last year uh, for Jannard Avery, defensive end, pass rusher. They gave up a fourth-round pick for him and didn't really play a whole lot last year. Fans are kind of scratching their heads right now with... Where the plan is with Avery, where he fits, Jim Schwartz kind of used him more so on you know third and long passing situations as almost like a stand-up linebacker blitzing through the A gap and B gap more so than a traditional you know four-three defensive end. He had some success with Cleveland in his first season as a rookie. How did the Browns utilize him? Where do you think the Eagles should maximize? Like where where are the strengths of Jenard Avery's game that the Eagles should maximize by putting him? in Now, if you problems?
0: remember against the Philadelphia Eagles. And it was um, the big tackle, who's uh, the big Samoan left tackle, and Gennard buried him with a bull rush at 250 pounds. And that kind of put Gennard's name on the map as far as the Cleveland Browns were concerned. Look, he was six feet, he's undersized. You know, the arms are not what you're looking for from a traditional pass rusher All so right, you know, obviously he was a little bit undersized but he was strong as an ox genard avery he moved well he had a great great rookie season here's the problem and you go back to the coaching staff at the front office what did they want to do they said to genard avery who is built like literally a brick s house mm-hmm. he is as physically tapped out muscular as you can ask a guy to be what did this what do they want him to do you know what, we'd like you to put on a little more weight. We want you to play more, you know, as a traditional defensive end. He's not the best linebacker in the world. Zone coverage, he was able to handle, you know, the running, you know, side to side, chasing that running backs in the run game. It wasn't his coup de grace, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He's more of like an Elvis Doomerville. He is a undersized pass rusher. They asked okay. him to put on more weight. He put on more weight. Guess what happened? The flexibility, the overall burst wasn't there anymore. What did they do? They held it against him. He There were weeks where he barely dressed. And for this time in Cleveland in 2019, I would say if he was here for eight games, he dressed for only three of them. He And the funniest thing was, as long as he sat, first game he actually did play, they suited him up for the New England Patriots game. First rep he took, third and long, you know, got a pressure on Tom Brady. Tom Brady threw the ball in the dirt. They just mismanaged this young man. And the thing was, is he is such a good kid. And he's a quiet country boy. He'll do what he's asked. He'll do what he's told. Um, get him a little smaller. And I think he fits that kind of wide nine motif that the, the Eagles have always kind of liked. Mm-hmm. And he's got enough bend to him. Um, now, I mean, to put it now, yeah, amends, amends. I'm over it. I mean, I'll take the draft pick. But he was a really great kid. He played really hard in 2018. He really looked like he was going to be a part of what was going to be the future uh, you know, of this Cleveland Browns franchise. It was just something that was mismanaged by them. And... There were guys that they jettisoned who didn't basically play well from when John Dorsey drafted him. But Jernard Avery, that wasn't the case. He played well as a rookie. They mismanaged the young man. And then as opposed to admitting their faults, no, what did they do? They moved on from him. I'll tell you right now, this administration, they would love to have him. And they wouldn't care what he weighed. You know, they'd be totally fine with him because they knew what the player was. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just accept what the guy is and not try to turn him into something that he's not. Really interesting
1: stuff, Jeff. Uh, you've actually made me way more excited about Gennard Avery than because again, we just I, I was excited. I actually heard a lot of good things from Brown's Twitter, including you last year when this trade first went down. Um, and Because it, it kind of opened my eyes when they gave up a fourth-round pick for him. Like, okay, this is somebody that they clearly have high hopes for. And then they didn't really use him a lot, and they used him all around the formation. So, But that really does give me a lot of optimism for what he can do uh, in 2020. Louis DiBiase, he Of Lockdown Eagles and Jeff Lloyd of Lockdown Browns. Another part of the crossover series this week on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Jeff, thanks so much for talking with me today. Uh, You know, we're going to do this again during the season when these two teams take each other on and I think both are going to be pretty good I do think Cleveland is going to bounce back this year I hope for you guys again really root for that city and all the sports teams there including the Browns and it was good to finally have you on the podcast with me
0: oh always a pleasure and this has been the best part about this is you know getting to you know know each other a little bit outside obviously the social media aspect of it um obviously a big year you know, coming here for the Philadelphia Eagles, the Browns are hoping, you know, maybe this year will be the year where they can start talking January again. And, you know, even with all that's going on here, it's nice to just get this break from, you know, everything that's going on here and just for escape sure. into what brings us all here is so obviously we're diehard football fans. So
1: Absolutely, Jeff. Louis DiBiase here of Lockdown Eagles, Jeff Lloyd of Lockdown Browns. We'll be right back. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.